Welcome to our brand new short form podcast series, The Raiders Way. This podcast series has been designed to give aspiring rugby league players at all levels the opportunity to learn more about the process of everything involved in the pathway from a junior rugby league player through to elite level rugby league with the Canberra Raiders. In this series, we're going to speak to a wide variety of people from within the club and the game at various levels to give listeners the opportunity to learn more about the club's pathway and what they need to do to ensure they're giving themselves the best possible chance to follow their dreams. Joining me for each episode will be Dean Souter, the club's pathway and performance manager. Dean, g'day. G'day, Benny. How are you, mate? Yeah, fantastic to have you here again. And um, it's been an insightful series so far and uh, no doubt we're going to learn a lot more about pathways and the process along the way. But um, uh, it's exciting and uh, so far so good. Yeah, very good. Um, we're really excited to be sharing information that we think people want to know, um, involved in the rugby league community and, and a little bit open the doors a little bit to what, how we view things from our side of the fence. Yeah, absolutely. This episode is episode four in our series and it's entitled, So You Want to Be a Raider, Playing Junior Footy. And this week's episode, uh, we'll be speaking with Stacey Studham, who works for the Canberra Region Rugby League as Junior Competition Administrator. Stacey administers competitions from the competitions in the region from under sixes through to the under 16s and deals with players at all levels and all abilities. Thanks very much for joining us, Stacey. Thanks for having me. This is really exciting. Yeah, it's... It, I find your role just quite uh, intriguing because a lot of people would not know how much work goes into administering multiple junior competitions. I think, you know, participation across the game in general in Canberra sits at around that 5,500 mark from memory, which includes seniors and juniors. But tell us a bit about the amount of kids that you're dealing with on a weekly basis and how many people participate in rugby league in Canberra. Well, so at the moment uh, our registrations are sitting up just over 4,000. So that's from ages from people starting when they're actually three up until they're 17, which is really exciting. Um, there's a lot of back work that goes into it um, from checking clearances of people wanting to move clubs to pending registrations for our new players and checking ID and making sure that they don't already have accounts and making sure they're all set up in the system and they've got the right communication with their clubs at the moment, which is what I do all day, every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a like I said, it's an intriguing part of rugby league because everybody's got to start somewhere. I mean, that's where people you know who love the game they fell in with it, fell in love with it at some point. And as you said, it might be someone who you know picks up a football for the first time at fifteen, but it might be someone who plays footy or has some sort of involvement at the age of three. What what happens? What what, is, what does a three year old do in in rugby league? <laughs> Well, most of the clubs, they have certain names for them. So we've got the Lambs, we've got the Puffers, we've got all these little warriors and they do lots of skill-based from three to five, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. And then when they're five, they start in, they can actually play in the under sixes. Yeah, with Rugby League Dean at that young age, I mean, you're obviously, you, you come into things a little bit later on because you're looking for that sort of talent when it's when kids are starting to develop when they're starting to grow into their bodies when they're starting to get a little bit more ready for that next level but um, how important is it to see big numbers at a low age when it comes to rugby league it's massively important um the younger you can get the kids familiar with football and more more so familiar with clubs like being part of a club is really important and, and that whole tribal mentality and stuff like that um it's about having fun at the younger stage. It continues to be about having fun through all the age groups. But those habits are learned early. Um, they get to pull their gear on. They get to go to training. They get to tackle you know, 
little pads and, and be around older kids as well. It's cool. It's really good. Stacey, we talk about that fun element. Um, I know as a father myself, like I'm massive on encouraging my kids when they play any type of sport that fun's number one, winning's not important. I mean, I've got a five and a seven-year-old and I'm sure as they get older, you know, their focus will want to shift a little bit more to the winning side of things. But how important is it for these kids that are first coming in to keep them engaged and keep them wanting to play rugby league that fun is at the forefront of what we do? I think it's integral and that's uh, kind of based on the club atmosphere as well as the coaching, everything about from when the kids hit that field, they need to be safe and they need to be having a good time with their mates and building those relationships both on and off the field all the way through. Yeah, safety is a, a huge thing um, at the junior level and it's a, it's been a big focus of the game as a whole. I mean, we see at the top end um, right now where there are big talks around concussion and players you know coming from fields independent doctors and everything like that and that's at the highest level but safety at the lowest level um, or the junior level is also huge tell us a bit about some of the things that are in place currently and, and what we can expect when it comes to that aspect to give parents that comfortable feeling that they know that their children will be safe when they take the field so from the young ages to so under sixes as of this year will be participating in league tag so really getting them used to handling the ball, howling to run forward, all of the skills necessary, and then starting to build those tackling techniques. Uh, as of 2024, they'll be moving into the Tackle Ready program, which we trialled as a pilot last year, um, and we've just put on hiatus until next year. But that Tackle Ready program will be teaching you all the fundamentals of tackling, how to be tackled, how to fall to the ground without hurting yourself, and moving forward and we're hoping that most of the clubs will actually take that up for any new players to the game no matter what ages they are just to see that you know that they know the fundamentals of our game and how to look after themselves and maintain their safety as they go through on the other aspect we've got qualified trainers and on every team every field every day so they've got like all of this support around them they've got their First aid coordinators at their club, they've got level one trainers, level two trainers around them all the time to make sure that our kids are safe. Dean, fundamentals, Stacey mentioned there about fundamentals and it's such an important part of any sport. Um, you know, is, it, is it too early to, to be teaching skills or is it something that you, um, you, know, you need to start introducing nice and early? You talk about kids being safe when it comes to tackling and learning the skills of that, but um, how important, you know, for your pathway progression are learning basic, basic skills when it comes to rugby league? Yeah, it's really important because um, the earlier um, the players start to develop good fundamental skills, okay, footwork, hands, how to move, how, and as Stacey said, how to fall and, and that kind of thing, um, the easier it gets as they get older to advance them into, into stuff that might be a little bit more interesting and um, but we've, we've got to keep working on fundamental skills constantly and it doesn't change. You, you'll come and watch an NRL team train and they're working on fundamental skills as well because it's about motor programming. It's about the more you do something, the more familiar you get with it, the easier it becomes, allows you to do more complicated stuff. Stacey, you touched on probably one of the most important parts of any junior sport and that is trainers, volunteers, helpers, parents... How important is that aspect for, for junior rugby league and participation? I mean, what a lot of people don't realise that without those people, there are no games. Absolutely. So without any... Well, every game needs to have a qualified coach per team, qualified trainer per team, and then you've got managers as well. They're, without the parental volunteers or the guardians or anyone else that wants to be part of it, these days just don't happen. So on any Sunday, on a general 
you know, a general juniors football day, there could be up to 15 games playing on a set of fields at one time and that would not happen without endless amounts of volunteers, whether they're running the barbecue or just being there to help ground manage. It just doesn't happen. They're just absolutely integral. Yeah, they sure are. You're listening to The Raiders Way. We're talking to Stacey Studholm this week about uh, junior participation and the pathway into uh, rugby league here in Canberra. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to go through the steps that it takes to become a junior rugby league player. Welcome back to the Raiders Way, episode four. So you want to be a Raider playing junior footy here in the Canberra region. Our special guest today is Stacey Studham. And Stacey, we're going to talk now about the process. Uh, and, you know, a lot of uh, your job is in and around process and, and signing people up and making sure that they're registered and ready to go for a season. So I'm a first-time uh, rugby league participant. I'm a parent. I want to sign my child up to play rugby league. What are the first steps I need to take to make that happen? Okay, so your first step could probably should be the PlayNRL website where you search for your suburb and you find your closest football club. Um, all of our fo- local football clubs have very active Facebook pages, so if you want to know more about the football teams that are in Canberra, then Facebook's definitely the place to be. Um, you know, all else fails, send us an email here and I can shoot you which one of your closest clubs to you from home. That's fine. Um yeah, and then you just pop in that, you do all, put in all your details and then it goes through to the club. They will contact you if they have any other information and then if you give it to around this time of year, so March-ish, that's when they start to allocating people to teams and then they'll be in contact, your coach or your manager will be in contact with you and that's when we all get really excited. We get our shorts and our socks and we get looking forward to pre-season training. So a lot of people wouldn't realise this, but rugby league's actually one of the cheapest sports to play uh, in Canberra and that's... That's hugely to do with the Raiders Group's association with um, Rugby League in Canberra and we talk about the Licensed Club Group and what they do and what they put money into the community, into the clubs and and make it more affordable. But um, I I think, as I mentioned, it's one of the the most affordable options um, for, you know, participation sport in Canberra. It really is. Um, Because of our uh, valued sponsorship and the grants that we get from the Raiders Group, um, the junior clubs, they don't pay for any of the... The uh, referees' fees, which can be quite a large amount by the end of the season. Um, and so it works out to be about $25 that they actively save off every single regis- registration every year for every player. So that's, uh, you know, they cover all the ground hire fees for Friday night games. So our 16s and 17s play on Friday nights. They cover all of those fees so that it's not back down to the players at all. So we do it very economically all the way through, and mm. the clubs maintain those cost structures. So I've got my letter from the club, I've been accepted to play, I've been told to turn up to training. What am I expecting? And I know it's going to be different for every club, but when I, when I first turn up for that first training session, what am I, what am I looking to do? What am I, who am I looking to find? What, what's the process when I first get there? So once you turn up to the ground, I would, by that stage you would have already met uh, your manager or at least coach, and then you get to meet the rest of your teammates, and then they start walking you through what that's going to look like for the season. So they communally discuss when training nights are going to be, what night works for everybody, what timing, and then depending on your age group as to how frequent those training sessions will be. Some of the younger age groups generally only train once a week or maybe even before their Sunday game 
just depending on how it works for the families and what's best for them. How important do you think those training sessions are for particularly the real young players? Because um, a lot of them would watch rugby league on TV and just think they can go out and do what Jack Whiten does or what Josh Papali'i does and uh, they have no understanding of the skills and the, the training that's required to get to that level. So, you know, how important is it that the kids embrace the training side of it? Absolutely. It's really is where they start to build those relationships and how to work together as a team as well as those fundamental skills and, you know, just working towards that. Yeah, some of these kids probably haven't even worked out what positions they're going to play yet. So before we teach them how to play rugby league, they've got to learn how to play a position and how they fit into the to the larger group. So it's it's interesting dynamic, particularly at the start of the season. It's pretty yes. cool. It is very much fun. What about your coaches? I mean, we talk about volunteers and people cooking barbecues and, and being the managers of the teams and stuff, but how important is the coaching side of it? I mean, coaching uh, is a is a pretty um, it's a pretty specialised skill and you've got to show a lot of determination and a lot of passion for it to be a successful coach and how important is it for to have good coaches at all levels? I think it's just fair to say that the football doesn't happen and the quality of the football is all based on the quality of the coaching. That if we don't spend time to work with these coaches and give them the skills and make sure that they're supported and they've got all these people they can turn to for help if they need it, um, then the football just doesn't happen. It's just not good football to watch and the, the players don't stay because they don't enjoy it. So there is a lot of stuff around the coaches and we've got a lot of things in place to make sure that they feel nice and supported this year. So Stacey, I'm a dad. I'm, I've been at the club and I put my hand down the slowest and I've been nominated to coach this year. Is there anything in particular that I need to do to be able to coach a team? Yes. So there are online coaching. There's online coaching courses that you need to complete and then there's the mandatory face-to-face. But because of the timing and we understand everyone's very busy and this is a volunteer role, once you've done your online courses, you're actually able to coach your team up until the 30th of June. So we give you pretty much half the season to get to a face-to-face learning and then we go from there. And then if you need extra support, then your club just has to reach out. And most people would be pretty pretty cool with that. Like that's, um, the, the online aspect of it makes it really easy rather than having to go and do coaches' courses and all the rest of it like it used to be. Yeah, so it's not a four or five hour course anymore, it's not that at all. Well, we've got some great support too, we've got some good NRL resources here in Canberra, we've got uh, obviously Shane and Taylor who work for NRL Development and they're delivering these coaching programs out to local competitions and making sure people are up to speed. Absolutely, they are the most amazing resource that we could have. Even if you're a relatively new coach and you're just kind of struggling to find your feet, then all they have to do is to make contact with us and we connect you with Shane and Taylor and they will come out and spend time with you and make sure that you've got the necessary skills to lead your team to success. And obviously there's got to be that element of safety with coaching too, so we're working with vulnerable people, cards and things like that, but the club can usually assist you, you know, to make sure you can get all those things? Absolutely, and, you know, we provide, there's two links, whether it's New South Wales or ACT, you go on and you apply and then the card gets sent to you. So there's everything's at your beck and call and the clubs are very much on the ball to make sure that you've got the support you need. Dean, the Raiders are also very active in this space and they hold um, during the year a number of coaches coaches nights where um, you have guys like Ricky Stewart, Mick Crawley, mm-hmm. um, Michael Maguire, you know, that'll be available to, to talk to local coaches. How, how big is that in, for your space and, and for what Stacey's trying to achieve? It's it's really big and and it's and it's open to every single coach. So it's not an exclusive club where you have to coach a certain age group or anything like that. Um, we run one or two a year. We bring any coach that wants to come can just register, come in, and you get the best of the best 
just running you through various different um, coaching techniques, communication techniques, um, you know, how we work with groups and things like that. And, and if for no other reason um, to come along to something like that is you just get to hear what people at the top of the tree think about junior football. And what they think about junior football is they think it should be fun. Right, and they articulate that really clearly in, in all their messages. Um, you know, when we, we're talking about coaching concepts and things like that, we talk about games, not drills, and things like that. So when you come to training, you come into training, you're going to have a good time. It's, and as you said before, Ben, it's not about winning and losing when the kids are really young. It's about having a good time. Yeah, um, back to the, the processes though, Stacey, and obviously, as we said, it's, um, everyone's signed up now. They've, they've got their draw, they're ready to play, they're playing their games. How much work goes into getting that together? Because, uh, I mean, I said, I mean, I work in communications for the Raiders, right? So I see the Facebook pages and I see the comments and I see this and how come we're playing it this time and how can we play that team twice? Give us an understanding of how hard and how big of a beast it is to bring all these competitions together. You've got ground availabilities, you've got, um, you know, teams that are wanting to play at certain times on certain days and requests like that. How, how hard is it actually to bring it all together and make it happen? It is the most immense job of everything that I've ever done in my life, I have to be honest, that there's so many things. So just I've only looked at, say, the 17 girls for this stage and just to make them into two divisions, we have to assess every player of every team, whether they've played before, what their playing stats are, how well they play, which division is going into what division and then figuring out whether which night they're going to play on, do we, are we going to have grounds, um, we have to communicate with all the sports in Canberra twice a year as just for ground allocations to see what grounds we've got and if we're going to be able to use them at certain times and then some grounds have to finish early and some grounds have to finish late. And this is only the tip of the iceberg. And that's one age group. That's, and that's one, one age, age group. group. Exactly right. <laughs> so I think, uh, I think people that are listening to this podcast uh, need to have an appreciation for that because I, the, the amount of work that needs to go into it is, is quite... It's, it's huge, right? So, you know, when you, when you look at your draw and you have a time slot that doesn't fit in with your yoga lesson at 11am on a Saturday after, on a Saturday morning, then you just need to be a little bit considerate, I think, because sometimes people can be a little bit selfish when it comes to, you know, making sure that it's about them. But you've, you've got so many different groups and so many different people that you're working to. You need to make sure that everyone fits in. Yeah, so we've got, you should, last, last year we had 148 games played every Sunday plus Friday nights and it's just we do the best we can to make sure that everything is workable for everybody in the best case scenario. Obviously we can't please everybody every time but we certainly do try. On the other side of the coin we are quite fortunate that we have some wonderful facilities and ground availabilities here in the region. Um, we've got a lot of clubs, a lot of sports that have to fit into a lot of grounds but the ACT is pretty lucky when it comes to the facilities that are on offer and what we have and what's available to, to kids to run around in on. Yeah, we are, and we just I met with um, ACT Sports Ground yesterday over utilising another great ground that's just been brought up to scratch as well. They're increasing the lights on them now so that we've got even another one. So we've got amazing facilities. We just need to work together as sport in the ACT to make sure that everybody gets their fair share. Yeah, um, I agree. I, th I think some of the um, sporting facilities we've got in the ACT are, are among the best. Obviously, with junior reps, we... We get out to a lot of different places in Sydney and the regions and all the rest of it. And the ACT, what ACT has stacks up with everything we go to. Well, far. So I think what we can take away from, from this episode is that you know, junior rugby league's about, number one, first and foremost, having fun. 
Number two, it's about getting in a team environment, meeting new people, forming new relationships and getting out there and, and, and playing rugby league. And probably the third thing is, um, is then giving these kids an opportunity to play the game, fall in love with it and then think about in the future where they want to go. So, Dean, once we get to the older age groups uh, in this uh, in these levels, so we're talking, you know, we've, we've focused a lot probably on the, the lower levels, the sixes, sevens, eights. When these kids start getting up around the 13, 14-year-old mark and they're, they're playing more competitively and they're now eligible for Raiders pathway programs and things like that, whereabouts do you come in um, and, and how do you identify people for those programs? Yeah, we, um, we have open processes for these programs. So uh, the way we view it is that if you've registered to play football in Canberra, in the Canberra Regional Rugby League competition, then you're eligible to come and trial for, say, an under-14s Raiders development squad or an under-15s Raiders development squad. And it goes on and through. So you've got development squads, um, then you've got country reps, which is under-16s and 18s, then you've got junior reps, which is 17s and 19s if you're a boy, and um, 16s and 19s if you're a girl. So um, all those processes are, are quite open. Um, there's a you know, online registration process in most of the cases. And and the idea behind that being open is so that anybody, anybody that thinks they want to wear green and have a go can come and have a go. Yeah, and I mean, that's the, the big thing. It's creating <coughs> opportunity and it's creating ability for people to, to put their name forward because, um, you know, not every club is blessed with the same pathway program that we have. I mean, we've got a lot of investment, a lot of time put into junior development and the junior pathways and... I suppose people, um, you know, need to know that there there is a pathway there. Yeah, there is. And the pathway starts by getting registered with a club, going to play for your club and just doing the best you can each week. Then there are other processes in place. If you're enjoying that and that's really what you want to do, there's other things in place where you can just continue on with, with high-level stuff. Yep. It sounds like an absolute beast of a thing to look after, Stacey, and I think you're doing a wonderful job. So... Um, thank yeah. you for joining us uh, on this episode. Um, good luck for the season and let's hope that we can see those participation numbers rise and hopefully bring on the next group of Raiders. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Good yeah. luck with the rest of the draws for all those other age groups too. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, there it is. Uh, joining us for the episode this week, Stacey Studholm from the Canberra Region Rugby League, uh, talking everything that is about junior development. And as she said, if you are looking to play rugby league in 2023, then head along to the Play NRL website where you'll find out all the information. That's all we've got time for for this episode. Uh, we'll be back next week with the next edition of The Raiders Way. Stay tuned for that. Bye now. 